0: No matter how you say it, it's a great time to awaken the Force. At Disneyland Resort, you can hyperspace to Jakku, come face-to-face with some favorite Star Wars characters, and even join in a dogfight between X-Wing and TIE Fighters on Hyperspace Mountain. Be a part of Star Wars like never before, as Star Wars awakens at Disneyland Resort.
1: <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Out of the Hall. <laughs> I'm Karen Hager. I hope you enjoy this, the second of two pre recorded interviews with David Baker. Tonight he's talking about possession and exorcism, so be warned there are some recordings about forty five minutes into this episode that are a little bit scary. Happy Halloween. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. You've come to the right place for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests. You are very welcome here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy. So whenever you're tuning in, you're here for a reason. And I hope that something you hear in the next hour strikes your interest, teaches you something, and helps you move forward. Spirit medium David Baker joins me today. It's Halloween, and this is the time of year when people take great interest in the paranormal. Some sign up for local ghost tours or go and hear ghost stories told. Other people will hold seances. They might use Ouija boards. Some people dabble in magic and magic spells, and they might even try their hand at paranormal investigation. To amateurs, to those who are untrained, the paranormal can be fun and interesting, But in some cases, it can be a bad and even dangerous thing to mess with. Continuing our conversation about the dangers of the paranormal, David Baker will be talking with me tonight about attachment, possession, and exorcism. He's brought some audio to play as well, and I want you to be warned that this subject is a bit more dark and a bit more disturbing than we usually deal with here on Out of the Fog. I will bring David on the air in just a minute, but first, Here's something that's not disturbing. At fogcitypsychic.com, that's not disturbing. There's nothing to be afraid of there. Just go over there, click on everything, find out about upcoming shows, about classes and events. You can even book a private intuitive session with me, if you are so inclined. And now, David Baker is a medium with the ability to communicate with spirits of deceased loved ones and pets in the spirit world. His readings provide proof of life after death and Always offer some degree of closure and reassurance that our loved ones still exist, albeit on the other side, and they're just a thought away. David is the author of the very good book *The Spirit Garden: A Medium's Journey*. He's the host of *Beyond the Gate* radio every Sunday, right here on Blog Talk Radio. And you can get more information about David and his work at davidbakerspiritmedium.com. David, welcome back to *Out of the Fog*.
0: Thank you, Karen. It's nice to be back once again.
1: Thank you. Um, Now, as, as I said at the beginning, this is the kind of year, time of year when people get excited about the spooky stuff, and they start messing around a little bit. What are some of the bad things that can happen around this time of year?
0: Being that it's Halloween, and the weather is a little darker and colder, spookier, and mysterious... You know, everybody wants to do something different. You know, it's no longer summer, so naturally in this type of atmosphere and traditionally, lots of people were looking forward to ghost hunting, holding seances, Mm -hmm. using Ouija boards, going on ghost tours, uh, going to graveyards maybe with a recorder or something to see if they can uh, make contact with some spirit or something. Those types of activities are going on, plus more. You know, people trying to pick up a book on spells, for example, not knowing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of that's available uh, widely these days.
2: Yes.
0: And if they don't know what they're doing, the uninitiated start doing these things. And if they do it right, follow instructions or whatever, merely have the intention to do it and open the door to the spirit world, if they don't know what they're doing, they can invite anything in. It's just like living in a not-so-good neighborhood. When you go to bed at night, you open the front door and leave it open. During the night, you don't know if nobody's going to come in, if a good Samaritan's going to see the door open and close it, or, if some burglars are going to come in, you just don't know mm-hmm. well, the same thing happens when you open the spirit door if you're a neotype, an amateur, the uninitiated uninitiated in other words, if you don't have any training and you don't know what you're doing, it can be very dangerous
1: now i hear I hear a lot about uh Ouija boards and i I personally am not a fan of the Ouija board for those who are maybe want to take part in a seance, they want to try to use a Ouija board. What are the the
0: dangers of that? It's another, it's merely a device which in itself is harmless, but once people gather around to use a Ouija board, again, if somebody is trained to use a Ouija board and know what they're doing, then they're okay. But if a a group of people that are using a Ouija board do not know what they're doing, whether they believe in the afterlife or not. Not always, but there's a good chance, and it has happened many times, that they can invite whomever in might be a nasty spirit. And in the beginning, most of those spirits, are not going to let you know that they're nasty. They're very deceptive. Very deceitful spirits. And they'll do whatever they can to trick you into it, saying, yes, welcome, come on in. Once you do that, they're in and if they're a nasty spirit, you're in for a rough time. and It's hard to get rid of them, and they could do all kinds of bad things, including all the way up to possession.
1: Mm. And that idea of deception—when um, when the spirit shows up in the Ouija board and says, "Hi, I'm your Uncle Charlie, um, and I'm here to I'm here to help you." Trusting people can open the door and really end up in a world of hurt. Um, I hear often about Ouija boards kind of as the use of that device, the opening the door, is the the trigger for something that turns into a real problem in the home, and sometimes, as you say, even up to a much more serious issue of possession.
0: Yes. For example, in the uh, true story of the exorcist, it wasn't really a female. It was a male to protect the boy's identity, but in the story, when the boy visited his Aunt Harriet, which is a fictional name, she taught him how to play with the Ouija board. And it's my feeling that perhaps she used black magic rituals also while using the Ouija board like Alistair Crowley used to use. Mm -hmm. And one day, uh, the boy's aunt, Harriet, died. And despite the death of his aunt, the boy continued to use the Ouija board. He tried to contact the spirit of his now-deceased aunt. He may have successfully contacted some spirit that perhaps, through deception, convinced the boy that he, it was indeed in contact with his aunt later, when the boy became possessed, it was at first thought that it was the spirit of Aunt Harriet uh evil spirits, as I said, are deceptive and will do anything to you know to give you get you to give him permission to come through the spirit gate and so I believe the boy unknowingly invited a demon through, which eventually caused him to be possessed by an inhuman spirit, a demon. That's the worst case scenario.
1: I'm remembering that movie. That movie scared the daylight out of me. In fact, I went over, I went to spend the night at a friend's house, and my mother had said, Now, don't let Karen watch anything scary. Um, and of course we get to the friend's house and she's got the exorcist, right? So <laughs> so we're watching the exorcist. It was when HBO was new and HBO was showing the Exorcist. I watched that movie and I didn't want to be scared because I wanted my friend to think I was brave, but it scared the stuff out of me. And I'm remembering that the one of the priests in that in the film version was actually then was killed by the by the evil entity, by the demon. I'm wondering, let's say now I've I've used the Ouija board. Now I've invited in my Uncle Charlie. It's not Uncle Charlie. Now my house is a hotbed of paranormal activity. My life is falling apart, so I call in the paranormal investigators. Aren't the investigators then, the ghost hunters or whatever you want to call them, aren't they also in danger? Aren't there dangers in investigating situations that have already gone wrong in this way?
0: Uh, There are dangers on any level in many forms. For paranormal investigators, um, the risk being making contact with the inhuman spirit, you know, the, I would call the preternatural. That's something that's not supernatural. The preternatural is demonic, is dark, it's bad. They could also come into contact with a human spirit that perhaps was, serial killer or something like that during life and they could be very dangerous too. Not as dangerous as a demon. And you know the negative spirits aren't as common as the normal spirits. But even trained paranormal investigators and I've had them on my show before told me that they've had issues with them. But I've talked to others who say they say a prayer, they white light, they set the intention and they tell Whoever comes through, they want to communicate, but you can't harm me, you can't come with me, or whatever. And when we leave, you have to stay there. But most definitely, there's all kinds of things that could happen. People get scratched, slapped, pushed down the stairs. Uh, One of the spirits could temporarily take possession of them. I call it overshadowing. Many things could happen. So everybody must be careful, especially the people that are new to the field.
1: The way that we've been talking about these kind of negative entities, it's like they're predators, right? And and it may be, is it, part of what you're saying that when people dabble in this, when they are uninitiated, when they don't know what they're doing, they're making themselves kind of prey for these predators?
0: Oh, yes, most definitely so. They, um, especially during the Halloween time, you know, come on, the spirit world, they're not, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, they're not dead. They, yeah, of course they're dead, but you know they're alive in spirit. But they're not, you know, they're privy to what's going on here. Because the human spirits have lived here, so they know, and I'm talking about the ones that never went to the light, but just kind of hung around here mm-hmm. as a ghost, that didn't cross over. And any in inhuman spirits know of it also. So they know, and they'll be out looking for... ...somebody to influence so they, they can come in and do whatever they, they want to do. And also, you know, inhuman spirits that were drug addicts, alcoholics, criminals, whatever... ...they may hang around bars and find somebody that's an alcoholic and try to, you know, possess them... ...while they're drinking and influence to do more and it could get even worse. They could possibly hurt somebody... The next day they wake up in jail and they said they had a blackout they don't remember. That's because they were being possessed at the time. There's so many bad things that can happen.
1: Wow. Do you think that people who are just watching uh, paranormal shows on television or people who maybe go on a ghost tour, go on, let's say I go on a walking tour of Jack the Ripper's London or I go on a tour of Haunted Detroit or whatever, is that is there a vulnerability in that for those people who might feel like they're kind of spectators more than anything else?
0: If spectators go with somebody on the ghost investigation, they're open to the same thing that the investigators are on because they went there to experience. There's a possibility that it can happen on a ghost tour as well. It's happened. Uh it's less likely to happen, but there's a possibility there too.
1: It's how do you suggest that people keep from becoming prey? Then, how can people behave to to make this less likely to happen?
0: It's universal law that uh, if some spirit you're in an area, and some spirit comes to you. Wants to try to like possess you something like that, you're pretty much safe from that. Uh, It's universal law that if they don't have permission, and you never gave them permission to any way, even ignorantly or innocently, and you want them to leave, they've got to go. Mm -hmm. You know we're you know we're protected. There's only so much that spirits are allowed to do, even though they are allowed to do things. But if somebody unwittingly let's see if there's any you know spirits here or hello you know talk to my recorder i invite you in so we can have this conversation or, or show yourself any of those particular things you're opening a the door there you can be safe by saying that you no know, i'm here for communication only to see what's going on uh you know i I wouldn't say if somebody believes or not Otherwise, why would they be doing it? But you have to have some type of belief. For example, if it was me, I white-light myself, that means surrounding myself, visualize surrounding myself with white light, white light of the Holy Spirit, Archangel Michael's light, whatever. That's one thing. Secondly, is um, saying a prayer of protection to whomever you believe in, that, you know, in this prayer you're here only to make contact with whatever spirits for whatever reason, for communication only. And that's it. They are not allowed to hurt me or possess me or overshadow me or follow me home or anything like that. When I'm done, they must leave. And that's, you know, pretty much common sense because your intentions count also.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I saw an episode of Ghost Hunters the other, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, and they were in a situation where uh, one of the investigators had been touched and they, as they're leaving the building, one of the investigators is kind of frantically saying, you can't come with us, you have to stay here, you're not allowed to touch us, you've you got to stay where you are. And I, was, and I was watching that and I thought, oh my goodness, the level of anxiety and heightened <laughs> vulnerability in that, that may not be the best example of how to put protection on yourself during an investigation. Sort of after the fact may not be the best time to put the protection on. Is that, does that agree with how you believe?
0: Yes, some people may come become complacent and say, oh, I'm a good person, I protect, I've been on many investigations, all good, you know. You know, they, these, some of these beings are very intelligent and they look for any loopholes, open doors or anything like that. You can't get careless. If you're going to be doing something like that, then do it right each and every time and be very clear each and every time. Please do not get careless. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't know. I haven't, they don't show you everything they do, but you'd think they'd use common sense. But who knows? Maybe somebody jumped out and just started going to work without doing anything to prepare for it.
1: Right. Right. And, of course, I have I have no idea because I'm, I'm not one of them. I just know what I saw on TV. You, I know, worked in haunted settings. Um in your experience, can people be followed home? Can ghosts follow people home from a from a haunted location?
0: Most definitely. Some people believe that ghosts are in a place because they're trapped there. In some cases, they could be for whatever reason. But a ghost can go anywhere it wants to. It can follow you anytime it wants to. You know, the, the cases I know of where ghosts. Like on Alcatraz where I've been there, something is holding the ghost there. Some of them think that that's their hell so they have to stay there. They're afraid to go to the light or anywhere else. Or some dominant being might be holding the rest of the ghosts there. But other than those instances and perhaps a few others, yes. I've had paranormal investigators even on my show tell me that they've had uh, ghosts follow them home. Sometimes it's just pesky, pesky ghosts, you know, and they eventually got rid of it. And then I've had a medium, won't name her name, I told her a few times uh, about what she has to do, and she didn't listen. She got careless, and so she let some spirits that she cleared from somebody's home follow her home. Mm. And she guess she was getting scratched and hit. They were yanking her bed, sitting on her, and all kinds of stuff. So, yes, that can happen. It's probably more rare, but it does happen.
1: Is first of all, what happened to her? Is she okay?
0: Oh yeah, she's fine. After a couple times, it doesn't happen to her anymore, and everything's okay. Thank goodness.
1: Good. Okay. Good. Um, are people with Heightened intuitive abilities, people who are more aware of their intuitive gifts, people who are um, mediums or psychics, are, are people like us more likely to have that kind of activity, or is it people who aren't as aware who are more likely to have that kind of activity?
0: I'd say that's a good question, but to tell you the truth, people that have, you know, like you and I, our abilities are really uh off the scale, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are aware of that they can tell by looking at your energy they mm-hmm. they're aware of that, and people like us i mean wherever I go, it doesn't matter. Ghost spirits, whatever, encounter them all the time. Of course, mm-hmm. over the years, I've learned to you know, keep them back, not bug me this and that, but wherever I go, whenever I have uh, mediums over my house, they bring their entourage with them mm-hmm. because the lights flash on and off in the bathroom when they're in there. They will lock them out of the bathroom. They will trot up and down the hall, go in the kitchen, they levitate things and move it across the room, all kinds of stuff. When they go, nothing. And I've got huh. this from lots of uh, mediums and intuitives and so forth. And in haunted houses, usually that's the first person they go to. Right. So, yes. Right.
1: Right. Um, and now, you and I, the story of these interviews that we're doing, this is the second of two interviews, This this all started – when I first I had you on the Transformation Talk radio show, we had all kinds of Skype issues on that show and we were not able to complete the interview all the way. Then I had you on my Blog Talk radio show, that show was broadcast except that no one could hear it and it wasn't recorded. And then that led us to these, these interviews that we're recording now off the air that are pre-recorded. What is it about talking about these subjects that stirs up this kind of energy?
0: Let me give you some different examples. Okay, had somebody on my show ask me a question. Yes, was, oh, I was a guest on the show on the show, and they asked me, um, "Why am I getting six 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 on my cell phone? I can't identify who it comes from." And then he says, "I'm also getting uh, voice messages with some really scary growling on there and stuff like that." And I asked him, "Are you a demonologist?" He said, no. I said, is your wife? He said, well, she's training for it right now. And I said, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. They are do anything they can to stop you. And if um, you have a show where you're talking about them, you know, to give people ammunition or information, uh, they're messing with you there. Sylvia Brown, I read one of her books and she was writing one part about negative entities, and she was telling me that they uh, wiped out the whole thing that she had written, and she had to do it over again a couple times before. (sighs) And I've heard so many uh, similar stories. Um, So, you know, in shows I've been on, whenever that was discussed, we heard strange sounds, or everything would get, you know, make funny noises or whatever for a while, and then when we stopped talking about it, it was quiet. I mean, there's... So, so much, you know, there's so little information out there about this stuff anyway.
1: Mm. Well, and I usually, I have a healthy skepticism about all these things. And, um, and I would normally go, oh, yeah, that's, you know, we, we're saying that to make it more scary or whatever. But actually... Besides those things that I just mentioned, David, when I went to edit our first interview, the pre-recorded interview, the first time I did it, after I processed the file, all that was there was the introduction. Our interview had been completely wiped out. I was able to recapture it, and it's there. So people who listened last night, you've heard the full first part of this interview. Um, and then the, the right before I just started this with you, David, I had the microphone, the earpiece that I've been using for years, now to record uh sessions with clients, that failed in the middle of a session. It just blew out, that's it, all gone. And so, hmm, I'm I'm inclined to believe you when you tell me these things now.
0: You know, they are intelligent beings. They're angels, they're fallen angels, they yet they still retain their powers. And that's they're so intelligent that even during the exorcism they're told uh, by the Catholic Church, it's, it's a uh, Roman rite of the ritual, not to discuss anything or debate the entity they're trying to exercise.
2: Mm-hmm. But just
0: they'll follow the prayer pattern. They, I mean, you just you know they're, you don't want to mess with them. They don't like anything to get out. You no, know, I I don't have problems with them because I don't fight them. Mm-hmm. I recommend other people. But there's been times when I've tried to help get somebody help to, you know, refer them to somebody else that the email would get messed up or the, you know, the phone would screw up or, I mean, you know, it's just, they never stop. If you, I, you don't believe it. Um, Famous paranormal investigator brought somebody to a location with a skeptic who wanted to write, write a story. This guy said, this is all bunk. I don't believe in it, so nothing's going to happen to me. So he said, okay. We, we went inside the place, and they started looking around. A big, heavy candle opera came flying off the table right at this guy and, and almost knocked him down. Oh. This guy took off running out of the house, and you tell me that he didn't believe it <laughs> any, anymore. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's rare for that type, you know, but it does exist, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, this is a good time to say you're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is spirit medium David Baker. Pardon me. You can find out more about David and his work at David Baker's spirit, or sorry, spirit medium David Baker. Now I blew it. David Baker's spirit medium dot com. His website is David Baker's spirit medium dot com. So let's quit dancing around and tell me about possession. First of all, is it rare?
0: Yes, it's rare, but it's becoming uh, more common these days with more people messing with black magic, practicing Satanism, and I'm not talking about the famous Satanism, which has nothing to do with it, but devil worshipping.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's, you know, many ways. There's so many books available that people can get their hands on, and they think it's fun, or funny, or whatever, and they can get themselves in lots of trouble and the worst possible case scenario would be to be possessed by an inhuman spirit, which is really a not good thing because they could be helped, they could be exercised, or they could be possessed until they die their whole life. And, you know, they can't not always be gotten rid of. It's really spooky.
1: So, wait, are you saying that sometimes the possession can't be uh, lifted or resolved?
0: A person can die from an exorcism. Uh, So can the the priest or whoever's doing it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or they could try for years and never do it, never be successful. Mm. So they're not always successful. But if something has a stronghold in a person for a long time, which gave them enough time to get stronger in there, to have more of their soldiers in there, or they call legion, then it's going to be harder to get rid of them. And a person has to want to get rid of these too. And usually a person doesn't know that they're possessed because they, the uh, demons try to keep that hidden from them. Yet, you know, some people feel that they can do certain things and they kind of get used to it and kind of like like that and make them extra psychic and so forth, and they may not want to be depossessed, so you have to also want to be, you know, rid of all this. So there's many factors into it, but, you know, the priests keep that stuff secret. It's not really widely known in the public.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, possession doesn't happen all at once, is that right? Aren't there kind of stages in this?
0: Yes, there are many assessments assessments of uh demonic activity. But the simplest way to describe the demon's work is a triad of temptation, oppression, and obsession. And people are, are probably saying, well, "What about possession?" Okay, give me a chance. <laughs> These three kinds of demonic activity, as I just stated, temptation, oppression, and obsession. They go on from the least intrusive to the most intrusive and represent differing degrees of loss of freedom for the afflicted person. For example, temptation is the first. Temptation is an attempted dialogue where the person's freedom remains intact Oppression is an attack from the outside, which limits but does not take away the person's freedom. And obsession is an attack from the inside, which severely restricts or harasses the individual's freedom. Possession is different from obsession only by a degree. It is the highest degree of obsession in which the person loses most or all of his freedom at any given uh, time of the attack. And may I just mention in another way how this works so people can be more clear. Because yeah. I know they won't have the opportunity to call on an ass. So let me just explain it this way. We can liken the kinds of demonic activity to an enemy army that lays siege to a city. Temptation. It's like the enemy standing outside the city gates asking the occupants to come out and talk. Huh. Oppression is like the enemy bombarding the city from the outside with shells and mortars. Obsession is when the enemy breaches the walls and gets inside the city, taking it block by block, but is not yet in full control of it. This is sometimes called partial possession. Finally, full possession is when the enemy is fully inside the city and has taken near or full control of the body. Although this state of full demonic control is rare, it is nonetheless real and extremely dangerous to the spiritual and bodily well-being of the individual. I hope I made that clear enough.
1: Is that, I'm remembering um, Father Malachi Martin, and I'm sure that you can, um, you have a lot of other good sources for uh, people who would like to like, read uh, more about this.
0: Yes, Hostage to the Devil yep. is one of his books. Father Amworth has an exorcist tells a story. Uh, there's a book out called The Demonologist, there's also one called The Right by Matt Baglio. Uh, Interview with an Exorcist by Father Fortier is a great one. Thomas B. wrote a book called Possessed, and they made a movie on it. Um, There's, you know, The Dark Sacrament is another good book. Uh, There's so many. uh, John Zaffis and Brian McGintree wrote a really great book called Chattels of the Dark. And um, then there's another book here. That's called "Deliver Us from Evil," the mm-hmm. true cases of haunted houses and demonic attacks by J. F. Sawyer, and these are actually taken from the files of Ed and Lorraine Warren, oh, yeah. demonologist and medium, which I couldn't think of his name earlier, but they're uh, they really have a lot of information. So if you go on Amazon.com and you know, for example, type in "demons," you will get these books. I encourage everybody to read the writings and everything before they buy the book, but there is some good information out there
1: and your website david dot com is a great there's tons of good resources. I love your website um so that's a biased recommendation. I love your website there's a lot of good information on there. Do you think, David, that by looking into these by reading these books, by having an interest in the subject, are we opening ourselves up is it how can you read on that subject and And again, do it safely.
0: No, I'm not afraid of any spirit. You know, um, but I do respect their power. And I have a couple hundred books here going back to the probably late 1700s to now on spiritualism, spirits, ghosts, demons, you name it, fairies, magic. Uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead. Uh, So I'm I'm a major researcher besides a teacher and a psychic and a medium and all the radio stuff. And I'm really interested in that stuff. And when I've read the the demonic books, in the beginning, I was kind of like, woo, this is too scary for me to finish reading. But after a while, you know, I said, ah, just read it anyway. There's a certain degree of fear, even in me, reading that material. But it's okay to do it. I'm doing it for research purposes because not enough people teach people everything when they're becoming a psychic or a medium or whatever, and they can get into trouble. They need to know, you know, there's a there's angels, there's demons. You need to know a little bit about both of them before you start doing this stuff. And uh, if you start to get obsessed buying these books like me and buying them more and want to find out, <laughs> no, actually, I'm not that obsessed, but I'm just interested. Mm-hmm. But if you start becoming too obsessed with this material... Then it is there a possibility of opening up to demonic attack. Yes, I ha- I become interested in it, but I wanted to understand it, and I've not had any problems.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yes, yes to that answer is a great great possibility.
1: Mm. Now, you said a little bit earlier about the idea of of a negative spirits. What we're talking about here being demons, are fallen angels and I'm wondering my big question David is what's why would you want to possess somebody? What's the what's the point of all this? So what are what are these demons? What are the fallen angels? What does that mean?
0: Well, since probably most of the audience is uh of you know from the West here listening to your show, you know most people know about you know the devil, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this is what the Catholic Church has to say, and I'm just going to make it short because I don't have time to go on. Even though I can go on more in depth, but this is from uh, the Catholic Bible, Revelations 12:7-9. Now a war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they were defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, they were angels. And uh, Lucifer was the name of the leader, which translates to morning star. When they were thrown out of heaven... He was no longer that special angel Lucifer. Now he is Satan. People are confused. Well, who's the devil than Satan? Okay. Basically, he's Satan. He's in charge of all the other devils. And it's my belief that the other devils is just like uh, soldiers. So, in other words, if you look at the army, and, you know, there's a general and there's soldiers. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's not... You don't call him soldier... And all of them soldiers are different names, even though they do have different names. All demons have different names. But So there's uh, now Satan, the devil, and his devils, or his demons. So that's pretty pretty much how I can explain that. In other cultures, like in uh, the Middle East, for example, uh, in the Islamic belief, they have what they call the jinn, Hmm. D-J-I-N-N who were born from smokeless fire, and they believe many of the things uh, that we do about demons. And there's also the the Jewish, they call it the Dybbuk, D-Y-B-B-U-K, which is, uh, they could be good or bad, or they could possess somebody, let's say... um, well, I won't go into that because there's no time. But, I mean, there's a movie out called The D-Book Box right now, which is a really good movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's also been on uh, one of the paranormal shows. Um, it was it, on Paranormal Witness. I yeah, saw that one. That. Yeah, and I just finished the book. Very interesting. And then Native Americans call these skinwalkers. So, you know, there's uh, belief throughout the world, all over the world. They believe in something. Because this bad something doesn't just happen in a couple of places. It happens everywhere because supposedly the earth is their domain until a certain time.
1: Hmm. Now, I know that uh, in the Roman Catholic tradition, of course, there are uh, exorcisms in some um, uh, Pentecostal or Evangelical Christian uh, traditions. In the Protestant church, there are exorcisms um in in let's say in uh for followers of islam for uh for people who are of the jewish faith are there exorcisms in those different um cultural frameworks as well
0: very rare in the uh, jewish community but uh but it, it has happened in the islamic community uh you know they're all rare but sure uh they they do it there too They believe in exorcisms and they generally ask a person to supplicate to Allah, you know, uh, and they tell the jinn to leave, uh, which you will hear in a little bit. But um, whatever belief system, oh, the Catholics now, they've been doing it for a long time. And they have a rite of exorcism, which was written in the 1600s and changed a couple of times, you know, to update it. But they say uh, they have a ritual and say a number of prayers like the Roman ritual, which was first written in 1614, the litany, Psalm 54, adulation, gospel reading, and so forth and so on. Uh, but yes, now you have, you know, a uh, different face of Christians in the United States. Uh, what I've read a lot of them will end up referring their people to the Catholic Church because they just, either it's not taught to them, they don't believe it, or they just don't have the knowledge that the Catholic Church does. So some of them can do it, but most of them refer these people to the Catholic Church to do it.
1: There are a couple of famous um the right way to say. It. hmm, Let's see what the best way to say this. There are a couple of famous uh non-Roman Catholic, non-officially sanctioned exorcists who go from town to town uh doing very dramatic exorcisms calling out demons in the people who come to see them. These are more like um revival meetings from what I've seen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you Yes. Heard? yes. I don't want to I'm not going to I don't want to use anybody's name here. I'm wondering what you think about those kind of exorcisms and are those different from what from what we're talking about here.
0: Anybody uh okay in the Catholic Church, uh anybody could have done exorcisms. Jesus did it and he passed it to those to do it after him. Mm-hmm. But then at a certain point uh in when they read it the rules in sixteen seventeen then only a Catholic priest that was specifically an exorcist could do it, and the layman cannot do it, mm-hmm. or anybody else cannot was not allowed to do it. They had to have permission from the bishop to do it. But uh, to tell you the truth, that's in Catholic tradition. Anybody, and even the exorcist have said it, at least a uh, knowledgeable teacher that I have uh, written from uh, read about is called the exorcism and the church militant. Bought a book by a priest that was out. It's a rare book. I snatched it before the, it was unavailable. It came out shortly. The church pulled the plug on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, he says in there. But to be honest with you. Anybody can do it. You know, if you do it, you, if you have faith, anybody can get rid of it. Uh, These people that do that, perhaps some of them are questionable and some of them are authentic. I don't know. There's a lot of them. I haven't had time to really thoroughly investigate it. But uh, some of the stuff I've seen, some of it on some documentaries, they seem to be pretty effective. But like I said, I don't really know enough about that to give a solid answer.
1: No, that's that's fine. And I'm... Uh, it has seemed to me, I know we're going to listen to a recording in a minute here, but uh, I've heard recordings of, of these people who do it kind of in a revival meeting kind of setting. I've always wondered if, if if we're really casting demons out of people, should we be doing that in a crowd of other people who are quite emotionally, where emotions are heightened, where we're very vulnerable psychically? Is that the best place to be casting out demons?
0: It doesn't matter if the demonologist or exorcist is doing the right thing, they send him to another place. The Catholics usually send him to the foot of the cross of Jesus. Mm. And you know, so if they're doing it right, you know, the, the demons can't bother anybody else there anyway. So um I you know, I don't see why not in that particular case, but you know, if it's an exorcism Nobody should really be around if it's a genuine exorcism except the person getting it and the priest or whoever it is involved in an isolated, safe place.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I really don't think that that's really a good area. But, you know, if everybody's praying and all that, then perhaps it'd be okay. Like mm-hmm. I said, it, it's possible that it could be okay.
1: Now you've brought a couple of recordings with you, these are rare recordings of actual exorcisms, so these are real exorcisms this isn't, we're not fooling around
0: no, and it's not going to be like on TV and I have some other recordings but I just got a couple of common ones they are kind of rare, yes, they're not easy to find, but I'm just going to play sound bites like of a minute or a minute and a half or so of two different ones for an example one of them is in Italy, and they're exercising a young lady, and he's saying prayers over her, and he's explaining what he does and says prayers, and she's cursing. It's in Italian, so it's okay, and saying different things, and the other one is a Islamic one, so it doesn't matter. You can't hear the... Cu- That's why I chose them. Mm-hmm. They're not in English, so people, you know, swear words and stuff won't come out. Mm-hmm. So... Okay. Uh, I'll try to you know translate a couple of words in here while it's going, Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Here we go It just pushed the priest down mm. and what What they've done in here is they have a special chair for her, and now he's praying <laughs> and she's swearing,
3: <laughs>
2: swearing.
3: <laughs>
0: and you need a special kind of strength. In fact, I have noticed this with the devil. Exorcism is like beating with a stick. You strike the devil with holy water or your hand. Don't burn me, he says, but I am not fooled. The devil is cunning. He tries to talk so he can rest. Have you ever seen boxers when they are punching? They suddenly hug each other.
3: To get your breath back, the devil does the same.
2: He speaks, but I don't take any notice. I just carry on.
0: No mercy, I keep raining blows.
3: So more forte more
0: more. Everything I had been known as Cristo Okay, that was uh the the girl was possessed and she was resisting the priest with everything she had.
1: Mm. Do you know what the outcome of, of that was?
0: Yes, a work in progress. Some are shorter, only one exorcism and it works. Some may take 6 or 6 weeks, 6 months, 6 years, or for an entire lifetime, unfortunately.
1: When is that recording from that we heard?
0: I'm wondering uh, probably about 10 years ago in Italy. Mm. I'm wondering if that's
1: still going on, not just the effect on her, but her family, obviously, and the community.
0: Oh, yes. Unfortunately, I'm too busy to track a lot of it, but mm-hmm. at least the books I've read, I'm able to find out what happened with them.
2: Mm. Wow.
1: Um, let's hear the one uh let's hear the one from the Middle East, and then let's talk a little bit about what we're hearing,
0: okay, this one here, I pretty much won't interrupt, but basically he's saying the same thing as the Catholic priest was no uh he's telling the jinn to leave and telling her to he's saying a supplique Allah, this and that, which means, you know, open yourself up to God and come to God, the uh, the devil must leave, so forth and so on. And then he's he's telling her, you know, uh, I believe in Allah, uh, I don't want the devil in me, and he's having to repeat some prayers. So basically, I want to interrupt it, and I'll just let you listen to this for a second. Okay.
3: Kamu tawallah. Kamu tahu Allah. Dengarkan saya. Dengarkan saya. Kamu tawallah. Mari bawa. Hei, beres. Allah. Allah yang menciptakan kamu. Allah berkata, Dengarkan. Dengarkan dakwah saya. Allah menciptakan manusia dan Jim, hanya untuk berikan kepada Allah kamu tahu Islam kalau kamu Islam maka kamu akan selamat di dunia dan di akhirat kamu akan indah di dunia dan kamu akan lebih indah hidup di akhirat kamu mau Islam supaya kamu selamat dan kamu insya Allah akan diampuni oleh Allah kalau kamu sedang mengzalim manusia mau Islam kalau oh, Islam saya ajak. saya ajak ke mau? mau? bagus ikut saya ashhadu, ash-hadu. Anna.
2: ilaha aku
3: bersaksi.
0: Okay, I didn't want to go over time on that one, mm. but... He's telling her, you know, he's talking about uh, Allah and Mohammed and uh, the Islamic law, and you know, don't have time to explain everything because I totally don't speak that language, but I know a little bit about it. So it's very similar to the uh, European exorcism, of course, culture is different.
1: Am I right that he was that he was encouraging her to repeat a prayer? Yes. Okay. Um And that, and it seemed to me that it, I could hear her repeating it, but it was a fight. It was a fight to repeat it. And that kind of takes me back to my question, why, what, 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 what do the demons want when they possess someone? What use could they possibly have for what sounds like young women in these examples? Why?
0: Men get possessed too, but women mm-hmm. are more vulnerable. To it for some reason because there's larger numbers of women being possessed than males, even though that has happened too. In a particular exorcism, you know, they were exercising this demon. They got him to speak. The demon um told him to stop it. I can't take any more. You know, you're making me weak. Uh you're gonna he said, Please let me stay. He said, I don't want to go back before it's time. And I don't want to go back before a soul. If I mean without a soul, if I go back without a soul, I'm you know going to be in trouble. And uh, I don't want to go back before the judgment. And you know they they're going to be tortured. You know all the nasty things are going to happen. They get a little relief in the body there, and they want to take the soul so they can gain more rank, more power, whatever. And it's just a, it's a constant battle. So,
1: mm. so it, it sounds like, from what you're saying, it's to it's to capture the soul, it's to uh, kind of move people away from God into the, the army of the bad guys, the army of the other side.
0: That's their sole mission, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, every minute of every second, yes.
1: Mm. Now, why is there so little known? about exorcisms and exorcists. I'm, I'm, a, I'm Episcopalian, by the way, so that's part, that's the American branch of the, of the Anglican Church. Um, and we have exorcists, but no one talks about it. Um, and it, it's the same. Uh, our structure is in some ways rather similar to the Roman Catholic Church, but nobody talks about it in my tradition. It's very little talked about except in kind of that sense, in like a sensational way. Why is there so little known about this?
0: First of all, it's a sacred ceremony. The information is sacred and is to be used only, you know, the, the proper way. It's it's holy. It's very serious. And they just don't exorcise anybody because they think they're possessed. Mm-hmm. People have to go through a lot to get an exorcism done. They have to go through... Um, being investigated through friends and family. They have to see a medical doctor. They have to see a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist is going to have to say that there's something wrong with them that I cannot explain. And the person will have knowledge that they could possibly not know, could speak in tongues, could in some cases levitate, have the strength of Ten people, but this is so delicate of an area that, for example, the Catholic Church is kind of divided, not like you would think. It's just that many priests don't believe in it. They think that using talking about the devil in the Bible is a metaphor. Oh, yes, temptation, you'll be in trouble this night, but there's not really a devil. But other priests do believe it, and they teach it, you know, in the Vatican and in Italy, uh, they there are spiritual beings, both good and bad, and it's proven, it's known, it's been written about. Jesus spoke about it, and so, you know, all of that is. They don't want anybody doing it either. They just don't want you know. You got to have permission from the bishop. A specially trained person has to do it. Uh, they don't want people, the general public, to think that. The church are a bunch of screwballs because they're, you know, messing with demons. I mean, it's it's very delicate, and there's uh, very few people know how to deal with this or about this kind of stuff. It's very unfortunate, but more and more exorcists are being trained now. So instead of having um, one in the United States 20 years ago, there's at least 17 right now, which is not Mm -hmm. a lot, but it's growing because the need for them is growing, unfortunately.
1: Yes. Uh, David, thank you for being here tonight for sharing your knowledge and for providing some resources uh, for people who are interested. Um, thank you very much for being here.
0: It's my pleasure, and you know there is a website briefly mm-hmm. called Saint Michael's Call whom you can get help with that type of problem and they have lots of questions and answers and libraries and everything, is called www.saint-mike.org. org, okay. uh, Or just Google St. Michael's Call.
1: Okay. So, saint-mike.org for people who are looking for resources and and possibly for help. David, thank you very much. That is, that is all the time that we have. Um, please do visit David's website at davidbakerspiritmedium.com. Don't miss his Sunday night radio show Beyond the Gate right here on Blog Talk Radio. And thank you for listening.
0: Happy Halloween! Yeah,
1: Happy Halloween! Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. <laughs>
0: No matter how you say it, it's a great time to awaken the Force. At Disneyland Resort, you can hyperspace to Jakku, come face-to-face with some favorite Star Wars characters, and even join in a dogfight between X-Wing and TIE fighters on the Hyperspace Mountain. Be a part of Star Wars like never before, as Star Wars awakens at Disneyland Resort.